Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about our friends at the Empanadas Box. The Empanadas Box is a small, family-owned restaurant owned by natives of Buenos Aires, Argentina, and they have Argentine-style empanadas with 22 other globally-inspired flavors available every single day. Looking for a suggestion? Well, how about the Oktoberfest empanada with bratwurst from LK Sausage? It also has cabbage, carrots, onion, and mustard that is only available in the month of September. Their empanadas are available for dine-in and carry-out, but the pro move here is to get a box of frozen ones to take home. You can also find them in your favorite food delivery app. You can check them out online at theempanadasbox.com or check the link down in the description. You can find more information there, including information on their catering options for lunches, parties, and more. And a special offer to listeners of the Postcast, well, they're offering 10% off your order at their Covington, Kentucky location if you mention the Postcast at checkout. They're at 212 West Pike Street in Covington, and I am happy to report that the staff there are incredibly nice and the Food is top notch. If you've been listening to the postcast, you know we've been talking these guys up well before they were a sponsor of the postcast. So again, special thanks to the Empanadas Box. Incredible folks there. And if you go to their Covington, Kentucky location, they'll get you 10% off for mentioning the postcast. And on this episode of the postcast, we are talking that Miami win for FC Cincinnati. One to nothing, knocked out the team that knocked FC Cincinnati the Open Cup, kicked them right out of MLS Cup playoffs. How about that? Weirdly, this episode went slightly negative. Are there things in this team, in these games that we've seen that make us nervous going into the playoffs? Either way, champagne problems in part two it is a international break slash mls news whip around we sort of riff on coaching uh firings the international duty for fc cincinnati players covering all of that in part two you put both of those parts together well that's going to be your episode of the postcast Joining me to talk about all of that and more are two gentlemen that are also keeping the moratorium on he who shall not be named through this episode. I'm joined by Chief. I'm joined by Grayson. Chief, is it against the spirit of our rule if we come up with a nickname? for this individual and then just overuse the nickname. Uh, <laughs> I I I'm sighing because I do think this is the moment where one of us is going to have to buy a ticket to go see a Dinesh D'Souza right-wing propaganda movie. I, I don't see, I don't see the three of us collectively managing to avoid, avoid the punishment in this episode. I, it is I, a little later. Yeah. I, I firmly am of the opinion that using a euphemism and I, I will just invoke a Louis CK joke. Yes. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. If yes. you don't, but <laughs> using a euphemism that puts the word in somebody's head yes. is the same. 
So no, you can't be like, that's not the more you're, you're violating at least the spirit of the moratorium. If you, if you, you know, describe the thing. Right. Right. Cause like the whole point of this was that the amount of coverage surrounding him was insufferable. And yes. we were trying to make it so that there was one place of refuge where you wouldn't hear this man's name or be forced to think about this man. Now, it's a little different in this game because <laughs> he actually played and there's a relevant reason to discuss him. Right. But yeah, no, you, you can't you can't dance around it. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like there were all sorts of like religious rules that came about just so that you wouldn't actually do. There was a prohibited act. Yes. But then they had the rules existed to prevent you from ever coming close to the prohibited act. And so yes. they built guardrails around it and whatnot. But you're still like thinking about the prohibited act the entire time because it's like, <laughs> I don't care that the elevator stops at every floor. Like, you know, it's it's right. not it's it's this you're everyone knows the spirit of the rule and you're just looking for a workaround on it. So, yeah, yeah no, I, I don't. Plus, I feel like. It would honor him too much for us to come up with a nickname for him or a euphemism. Like if we just called him Susie or something like that, that's not. Right, I, right. Do, <laughs> I do. I do appreciate the workarounds that like the lengths people go. To not violate the word of the religious rule. And just yes. like, well, as long as I am in. Technical. Literal compliance. Right. It counts, right? Right. Right. And this is how you um, end up with someone jumping on your bed while you're with your girlfriend. So yeah. um, I, a, a book, a book I recommend that where this type of thing is kind of a interesting, like weaves into the plot in an interesting way is uh, the Yiddish Policeman's Union by Michael Chabon. Okay. Um, it's about it's like an alternative it's an alternative history book okay. where um instead of in instead of in Israel the Jewish Topical. homeland was established in Sitka, Alaska. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And it's like a it's like a it's like a noir novel involving a uh murder mystery in the hypothetical Jewish homeland of Sitka, Alaska. <laughs> Uh, I love that. It's a very, very good read. I do enjoy, too, that Grayson's recommending a book. And the first book recommendation we've had in this podcast in a while does include the word union in the title. It's very on brand for for Grayson. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's also on brand for this weekend as as Minnesota United has a very strange tweet about uh, some non-club employees who were integral to the broadcast. Decided not to come to work today. You know, I, uh, why did they not come advising, to work? Who could say? Right. If I were advising, I think I would have avoided the word integral. That feels like it's gonna it's gonna tip a point to somebody's hand. You don't want to. Yeah, and and I, I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of speculation. I think I did. I think I did like pinpoint what was going on with that. Okay, so for folks who don't Please. know, the Minnesota LA Galaxy this weekend was not aired on app. We don't need to spend a ton of time on this. But I think it's just an interesting side yeah. story if you want to like look if people, folks want to read more about it. Yeah, the Minnesota LA Galaxy game was not aired on Apple TV. Instead, it was aired on the on MLSsoccer.com. Mm, okay. Um, and it's because um, 
about seven, eight months ago, uh, Minnesota United's production employees uh, elected to form a union. Okay. And in that period of time, no contract has been reached. Um, Never good. I'm not going to you know, go into the details on that or speculate about, you know, who's right and who's wrong. It's not, not super important. But the but an objective fact, well, it's important to some people, but we're not close enough to the issue, I think, to like dive into that type of stuff. But uh, what happened was those employees picketed the game. And then the Apple, the employees, the people hired by Apple to do the game production were are themselves union employees mm. and refused to cross that picket line. Dang. So those were the non Minnesota United employees. They were like Apple employees or employed by whoever ha- Apple hired to do the game broadcast. And I think that they had a. And it seemed like they had like a worse quality broadcast because they had to just grab some folks off the street to run the camp. They had like instead of six camera operators, they had two um, non regular camera operators and then four stationary cameras. Wow. Um, so maybe they felt like the broadcast was not Apple TV quality <laughs> wasn't worth it Does I was about this to say, make... we, we know that apple wasn't going to take a huge stand in favor of unions that wasn't going to happen no. <laughs> uh does this make the galaxy and minnesota united scabs that the players union crossed the picket line here no they're the oh the players the yeah, players they're, they're union men uh, i suppose although um that's interesting so i saw the psra tweet uh, in solidarity, which is the Professional Soccer Referees Association, the referees yeah. union, Interesting. tweeted in solidarity. Um, the MLSPA did not. Hmm. Are they somehow separating themselves from the stadium, from the team, which feels so? I I not did not. Right. I did not. I did not see anything where these employees were asking. Anybody, the players, right, the, the right. players or anybody, not to not to play the game. Yeah. Um, and I think it would make sense that like these are production employees on strike. Production employees employed by another company, but that are part of the same union. Yeah. Not crossing the picket line seems to make like that's like a pretty close tie. Yeah. Yeah. Would this change? Would it change things if it was the Philadelphia Union that were at the subject of this game? <laughs> they have to be more aggressive, just from their name alone. It's kind anyway, of it's kind of anyway, funny though I that did, like uh... it's kind of funny though that like this was hot in the streets and sports all, uh, around sports that the Arizona Diamondbacks yeah uh, were staying at a Union hotel that was striking, and the right. team actually issued an apology saying mm-hmm. if there was some way we could change our accommodations for an entire traveling MLB roster at the last minute, we absolutely would. But unfortunately, we can't. So, I mean, maybe there's an argument to be made that the team should have players should have refused to play in solidarity with their union brethren. Or even some sort of act of solidarity. Yeah. I mean, the MLSPA maybe should have tweeted something, but it's not for me to say. Um, I so to to put it is for me. It is. It is for me to say they should do more. (laughs) So to put a bow on this. Um, I did 
this morning send a Freedom of Information Act request to the <laughs> National Labor Relations Board for all the documents relating to this, this union dispute. So uh, we'll see what comes of that. Off-season content. Hooray! <laughs> not, not, not that the secret ballot would be violated, but can you get the results of their unionization election? I asked for this? them. Okay. Okay. Be so curious we'll see. to see. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wow. get what I get. I'm, a, I'm not going to take them to court over it. <laughs> well, we should. <laughs> We should we should be going for the title of most litigious podcast. That would <laughs> that would be the that would be the soccer capital of America, the Kansas City uh, Kansas City Wizards podcast. Yeah, they are beating us one to nothing. I feel like between the referees and this, we could we could get two in our pocket real quick. We can make this happen. It's like you you need to generate content for the off season. Just get involved in some pesky legal disputes with people. Well, if so, if, if certain people keep uh, printing merch with the shield on it, uh, we may we may at the very least end up an interested party. <laughs> we'll, we'll file uh, Amer uh, America's briefs with both sides. That way, <laughs> if we come out on top, no matter what. Um, so we do we do in fact have a game to talk about in this one. Uh Inter Miami hosted but, but FC how funny, Cincinnati. But how funny would it have been if you would have let off with saying, Well, we recorded this episode before the game as well. Because the games don't matter at this point, folks. Anyway, this is this is this podcast, as you all know, is uh it's uh entering MLS. A uh, modern day labor organizing podcast. <laughs> I mean, there's probably a niche for it, and we would certainly corner the market. And if you thought 12 listeners was too many, we could narrow in on all four interested people on the lawsuits surrounding U.S. soccer and Major League Soccer. Because there's enough there for that to be a full-time beat if they, if we had a a well-funded sports newspaper in this country right. or like we'll say, uh, segments who's suing the US soccer today um, this is this is a warning to really to FC Cincinnati uh, <laughs> not that any of them are listening to it but uh if there's like a non like I don't know if there was like some real I don't know. I, 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 I do have a tendency to like latch on to stuff a no. little bit. Yeah. You think? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I could see if there like was like a real big like blowout like labor dispute involving We'd some MLS honest. team, we can we'll, we would end up making ourselves quite annoying <laughs> to, to the league. <laughs> Let's just say, uh, get those visas in order, FCC, because we're anyway, watching. <laughs> I just want to say, like, it's a good thing that, as far as I can tell, most of these uh, fair employment cases that have been filed against various teams have all settled. Yeah. Okay. What, okay. what Grayson? What Grayson really means to say is, workers of the league unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains. I will uh, I'll close on that. Anyway, we have we do eventually have a Miami game to talk about. FC Cincinnati wins one to nothing, and Chief is one hundred percent right. These games don't matter. We have already achieved our aims for this season. There is nothing to gain here, with the slight exception of this game. If you needed a non-scoreboard reason for FCC to root for this one, FCC 
was in a position and then did to knock Inter Miami out of the playoff race and therefore probably saving FC Cincinnati the uh, the headache that would have been facing them in the first round of the playoffs, beating them one to nothing. The Montreal result against Portland, which I think ended four nothing, uh, four to one, uh, officially knocked Miami out of the playoffs. I'll go to you, Grayson. Grayson, is this revenge enough for you that Miami is out of the playoffs for the uh, for the Open Cup specifically? Yeah. Here? Um, so to quote a uh, French uh, novel, okay. Um, I guess a translation of it. I don't know. No, it would be really uh, funny if you just would have started speaking French and then expected us all to know what you were saying. <laughs> uh, uh, revenge is a dish best served cold, oh, which okay. is from uh, uh, Les Liaisons Dangereux. I always thought it was Klingon. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, but uh, speaking of that, I did find a kind of related headline. Um, well, if so, you start speaking Klingon now, this podcast <laughs> is really going off the rails. Uh, it's related to the, to the, to the, French, to the French novel. Uh, it'll it'll all be clear to well it probably won't be clear to anybody but uh it it may be clear to to somebody uh, it connects in my head <laughs> um, rather than a genie in a bottle a petite argentine's swan song was a bittersweet symphony and miami season was just a bunch of foolish games as their playoff ambitions fell victim to the fc's cruel intentions colon the 90s musical wow <laughs> Wow, well done. <laughs> that actually did make sense. <laughs> you know, not enough people want to talk about Cruel Intentions as one of the quintessential films of the 1990s. It's of fantastic. The, I watched it the, like two years ago again. Holds it's up. well so well done. And but the, it also, the performances it was, in it are so good. It's it's shocking. It's, you you think I'm joking. No, it's fantastic. No, it's, it's a fantastic movie. But it was part of an alarming series of films in the 90s, along with Clueless, where incest was a really central theme for a major big budget film. Um, not It'd be like ish cest because they're all like step siblings. Right. But, uh, oh, but still. <laughs> Which did presage kind of a never mind. Well, I mean, <laughs> nobody got stuck, though. So can you really say it's a uh, a true step sibling movie? It's a good call. I'm not the step sibling. I'm the sibling that stepped, stepped up. up. <laughs> and, and helped you out. <laughs> it's like, you know, the start of every every great idea comes from a single spark that there was probably one person sitting there watching Cruel Intentions and thinking, huh. When the internet gets invented, I'm registering Pornhub and we're going to make this happen for everybody. <laughs> so this. it's like weird. So there was like the two Truman Capote movies that came out at the same time that were like for some some reason in like parallel development yeah. that happens sometimes. We're like Armageddon and Deep Impact. Yeah. Like two different two studios. Yeah. It's it's a little weird that like they developed two like step sibling <laughs> relationship <laughs> movies in parallel yeah i guess I mean, you know i, mean, I guess you I mean, know, I've, been, I've been listening to you know i watched sound of freedom i know about those hollywood sickos right that's true hopped up on they're a dina chrome <laughs> they're always ready to go with these um <clears throat> 
Man, and my my go to anyway, was going to be yeah. was going to be ants and a bug's life, but yeah, sure, like th- this works too. Um, so, oh gosh, so yeah, the uh, the games don't matter for uh, for the old FC, and uh, yeah, we got revenge. Chief, was this revenge enough for you? Hell uh, no, no, I, no. This yeah. is this is. Did it feel good to win? Yeah, sure. but like. With every passing week over the past couple of weeks, it has just been more absurd that seemingly the one game (laughs) of note that this dipshit played in just specifically screwed us out of a trophy. Like, like laser focused on screwing us out of a trophy. And no, doing because here's the deal, too, is that I think they've got like 13 nine something players going on international duty yes uh, immediately and their next game is going to be a shit show they play oh, yeah. um they play a, a game i think the day after the international break ends um where they're going to be without i think nine starters so yeah. it's like <laughs> so they they were going to get got this week or next week it was pretty much a foregone conclusion. So I don't even know that we can take credit for knocking them out of the playoffs. So no, this isn't this isn't revenge. Not in the slightest. But it felt good to win. I'll never turn that down. Become one of the only teams in MLS history to win 20 games. That's kind of cool. Um yeah. yeah. And the game was like it was it was hard it was a hard watch because there are some situations in soccer we've you know you you watch this sport even a little bit you know that the game changes when someone scores a goal especially in like an elimination game in like Champions League or in a cup final someone scores and then the entire tenor of the game changes as the other team throws everything forward because they have to have the goal they have to get the result that was this game except it was from kick like yeah. Like you can imagine this game was just Miami entered the game down five nil and they (laughs) desperately need to like throw everything forward. They were pushing forward. They were pressing. Everyone was playing high. It was a pressure, pressure, pressure setup for them. And the FC is, you know, just they wanted to win, but don't get hurt. Get your work in. And so it made the first half of this game supremely unwatchable Mm -hmm. if you were an FC Cincinnati fan. (laughs) Yeah, it was, as you said, all Miami early on. And that was pretty much the storyline of this game was Miami throwing everything at it and Cincinnati's defense essentially absorbing the pressure without any real issues. They got lucky to um, they got lucky to not be down two or three goals in the the first half. And so they got they got lucky. Yeah. So to me, the, the, the story of the first half of this game, for whatever it's worth, is that you continue to see problems in two areas with FC Cincinnati. And your mileage may vary as to how much stock you want to put in this game. It's kind of like a team's offense in the NFL sucking in the preseason. Does that mean anything? Probably not. But like if the offense sucks in the regular season, everyone's going to point back and say, ah, we had early warning signs of this being a problem back then. So I don't know. So the the two things I took away from this, this first half specifically is number one, that Sergio Santos is in an awful run of form right now. I don't think he's a bad player per se, but if you were, 
projecting FC Cincinnati forward as to what happens when and if Brandon Vasquez is shipped off this offseason, the answer is not Sergio Santos, at least not the, the version of Sergio Santos we've seen this year. Um, he's decent as a change of pace striker to come on later in matches and use his speed. But just about everything he did in this game was poor. His uh, touches were poor. His decisions were poor. He had one big chance in the first half that he kind of probably should have done a little better on that left it in a position where the keeper was able to save it. So that was takeaway number one. If you get a couple where he should have should have scored. Yes. Which you start doing like the Brandon Vasquez thing where it's like, okay, so he got in the position. He got to that point. And then failed to execute. That was sort of the story on on Vasquez yeah, for so, so my, long. My issue with with Santos is, um, he looked like the like kind of pessimistic rap on him. Yeah, that he's like fast and nothing else, right? Yeah, and like yeah, if you can like get into positions that nobody else can get into. You still have to finish that, right? But like he wasn't ad- he wasn't adding anything in like the build up or helping them like move the ball around or holding up the ball or like anything, right? Like right. if if Vasquez is not finishing on goal, there's like six other things that he can still do, right? You know, right? With, Which Santos San- wasn't doing. Santos wasn't doing anything. No. He was losing the ball. He was negative. He was he was, you know, worse than he was worse than not there uh, in the buildup. And then in the one thing that you expect him to be better at than anybody else. Which is like outrunning defenders, getting into spots. He's he wasn't finishing easy, easy chances. Yeah, no. um, especially which, like, I don't night. again. Oh. Like, I don't. I also, I agree. Like he's. I don't think he's a bad player, and we've seen him. You know, we've seen him be very good. Uh, he just wasn't last night, and I don't think has been since he came back from injury. Right. It, it just sucked too because he had a particularly rough night. Just holding on to the ball on a night when Vasquez found Lucho's touch on his feet. Like it was, he was hitting passes I haven't seen Vasquez hit this year. And it looked like a totally different player. And yet, every time that he was hitting these great balls to, to Santos, just didn't go anywhere. It went directly into the keeper. So, yeah, frustrating from that point. And, and Chief, what was your second point? Yeah. The, well, also, I don't want to I want to point this out. It oh, wasn't please. just that he was also poor passing. Like there were a couple yes. horrendous passes that Santos had where it's just like, I don't even know what, the, what you're seeing in the game yeah. making some of these plays. My second point of note in the first half is that there is a worrying trend with this team that extends beyond this game that this team for whatever reason in the defensive setup they use, there's a stubborn refusal to come out and contest shooters at the top of the 18. There was another example in the first half. I think it was Joseph Martinez that took the shot where there's a uh, there's an uh, off the ball run happening to the to the near post that Barial is covering. 
And instead of stepping up to contest the shooter, Matt Miazga backs off to also go with the runner. And Martinez has a wide open space in front of him where I think he pings the ball off the uh, off yeah. the post on that one of the crossbar. And it would be one thing if this was just this game. But this team has got to figure out a way on the back line to offer more on ball pressure on shooters because teams, I think, have figured out that if they can get the ball around the top of the 18, that FC Cincinnati will concede space to allow them to shoot. And I get that these are low percentage shots compared to other things you can do. But if you give players, good players like Joseph Martinez, even at his age and his level of washness, like if you give them time and space and a clear look at goal, a lot of these guys are going to put the ball on frame and it's bitten this team repeatedly this year. And in the playoffs where it's a lot of these games are going to end up one nil, you know, two one at most. Mm -hmm. um, you cannot be conceding. They're just backbreaking goals to concede when you have done all the, the hard work of defending, but then yeah. don't step up to contest the shot. Yeah, especially in the second half, uh, Pinto and Kubo, especially towards the end of the game, uh, were able to do that with a certain midfielder, that there was a certain panic that we can't let this guy get a shot that existed. Good, contest that. But that doesn't exist for, like you said, Joseph Martinez, who is not a nobody in this league. And in the playoffs, that will be a Tiago Amada, that will be whoever from Orlando. Cucho Hernandez. Right. But like these been, are good players. But we, like we have been beaten long enough by, I'm not going to say bad players. Right. But by like, non-special players yeah, yeah. in MLS and you know say what you want about the relative quality in MLS these guys are still all professionals yeah if you give them enough time and space most of them that play in midfield or in the attack can find an open spot and goal from outside of the box yeah you know like um, and you can't you know, like there is an extent of picking your battles, sure. But if everybody is doing what they're supposed to be doing, somebody should be able to step up and at least pressure. So, like, you don't lose in a playoff game because a like Quadwo Apoku <laughs> kind of player, you right. know, beats you from a shot outside the box. Yeah. And like I said, uh, it's it's not it's not something where it's like, OK, I understand that it's hard to take anything away from games like this, where the games right. are the result is outright meaningless for FCC. But it was happening before this game. And it was yet another instance where a defender is backing off instead of uh, pressuring the ball. And honestly, it's 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 got to be a coaching thing at this point, because. There have been far too many instances where the, de the, def the defense has been passive and aggressively pressuring shooters, yeah. being more worried about getting beat from behind. And I get it. You don't want to concede a through ball to someone and set up a tap in. But there's got to be a happy medium between just letting people take rips at Celentano and, you know, completely exposing yourself to a back post run. And the communication has just got to be better because this was another one where the run was covered. It was covered by Barial. He had the positioning and he had the, the 
He had the the, the leverage on the play, I, if I remember the replay correctly, to stop this. And Miazga still went with it to double up one person while another person took an uncontested shot. Yeah, and... I don't want to. I don't want to be too negative about a game where we won, and you know, knocked the other team out of the playoffs. Right. But, and this is this is probably at least a bit a function of us just being the stronger team in games throughout the year. But it feels like we have had to. We have to work really hard for nearly all of our goals. And um, we give up a lot of kind of sloppy goals or goals through lapses, you know? And I'm thinking about the kinds of outside shots that Chief is talking about, the um, Martinez goal from Philadelphia, the Apoku goal, the goal that Orlando scored at TQL Stadium. Um, All of St. Louis's goals. Yeah, and, <laughs> you know, going into the playoffs, you can't give your opponent that kind of, that kind of margin, because I can tell you how they're going to, how they're going, how every team is going to play us. Right. They're going to, they're going to play real tight defensively, and then just try to just, Hope they get lucky on a on you know an outside shot or just some weird box weird bounce in the box. Yeah. Or if Orlando and New York Red Bull have put together a blueprint, it's flop around like dying fish for seventy five minutes, and then you'll accidentally get one in at some point. Well, like Fra- so. Frankie's goal. Yeah. Yeah. Was another one yeah. where it's like we didn't talk about it because we didn't like, you know, record after that game. <laughs> but it was another goal where like nobody stepped up to pressure Frankie Amaya. He takes a rip and he can make that shot. Most players yeah. in MLS can make that shot when it's uncontested. It's like taking a free kick with no wall. Um, so, yeah, like and on, that's... on the other hand, like look at look at what a lot of our offensive possessions ended up in. Right. Like like Lucho trying to dribble through literally five guys that are shoulder to shoulder or <laughs> right um you know calendar had a great game right yeah like, yeah they had a lot of like we had a lot of point point blank shots that calendar was just able to save um but it's just it makes me wonder about how a playoff game is going to look when it feels like everything needs to go perfect for us to get a goal and other teams can just kind of like ping the ball forward and kick it and look dangerous against this. Yeah, we're going to, yeah. we'll, we'll probably talk about this more as we get closer to the playoffs, but um, I do have a concern with this team. And last night, you know, hey, to them, they won the game. They got lucky they didn't concede two or three in the first half, like I said. But um, there is a concern that lingers in terms of this team's ability to win the type of game you need to win in the postseason where teams are going to play them like Orlando, like Red Bull. And that's that time wasting from jump. We are playing for extra time. We're playing for the one goal winner and that 
this team's mental lapses that they have from time to time defensively, your odds of, of pulling what they've done multiple times this year, which is go down a goal in the first half and then come back and get two in the second half. Um, I think that they are plus 26 goal differential this team i think 27 now it must be plus 27 because they were they were saying plus 26 before we'd scored yeah. so plus 27 in the second half of games like that's insane really really good but really really not sustainable in a playoff situation i don't think well the where, con- yeah go ahead sorry where i was gonna say we're, we're getting that first goal especially when we're going to be playing all of our games at home, these teams are going to pack it in up one nil, especially after you, assuming we get through the first round of the best of three series where I think they will do draws in those. I think, I don't know no, if anyone, they, no? they skip, they skip extra time, go straight to penalties. And I, th- I'm pretty sure at least the way it reads now, because I, I looked at this today, the way it reads now is a penalty win is a win. Yes, that is how it's going to be. So yeah, you can Which win is, if you if you win the two like penalties, that. you are through to the next round in that first round. There, yeah. so I get, think that get, they should do the I point think system. They should do the point system from League's Cup, where a, a shootout win is two and a shootout loss is one. Because I don't, I really, really don't like the scenario of one team wins two games in penalties and the other team wins one game in regulation by four goals or something yeah and the team Ugh. that won two penalty games which would have been two total points in the regular season <laughs> advances over the team that would have had like three regular season points i don't i don't i don't like that so even even in that first set of rounds the incentive for teams especially on the road is going to be get this game to penalties yep and yeah FC Cincinnati, they have struggled mightily with teams that play that cynical style. Um, and yeah, like, like I need to see, this would have been a game to see a little bit more out of, hey, be a little more disciplined, figure out what your defensive disciplines are, be ready for it. But like they, they've flunked the last couple of tests they've had on teams, playing teams like that. And it's just, it's... Um, We'll we'll talk about it down the road, I'm sure. I don't want to get too far off this game. But there are definitely some things that even in these meaningless games, like this game yeah. and the Atlanta game we're going to have in two weeks, there are things this team can be showing and working on that will hopefully set them up well for the playoffs. And this game, it was you know two steps forward, two steps backwards. There are the defensive lapses in the first half. But in a game where... It was nil-nil for the majority of it. There was the looming specter of old LM getting ready to enter into the match and try to do his uh, do his Neo from the Matrix routine uh, as soon as he walks in. They went and they got a goal, and they won the game. They got the one-nil result, and like that's that's a yeah. playoff-style win. The game is zero-zero. There's some chances. Uh, you're not getting a whole lot, but the one goal is going to be the winner, and they got the one goal that was a winner on kind of the same kind of goal you're going to expect to get in the playoffs, which is you know a snapshot from outside and someone crashing the boards for a rebound and a putback. That's a playoff style goal from Alvaro Barrial right there. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and you know, with everything that I said before, I really loved to see getting that exact kind of goal. Yeah. Right. 
let it rip, crash the goal. Yeah. Right. Like that's they we that need to needs see to, more that of needs, it. Yeah. Right. That needs to be a big part of their game. Um and then uh the the last like it's like negative thing that I want to say yeah, is like I've got yeah, to, so keep going. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> is is if you so their goal differential on the season is plus eighteen. Yeah. Which means that if you're plus twenty seven in the second half, you're negative yeah. nine in the first half. Yeah. And you know, during the season, there's a lot there's a lot that teams are thinking about. Um like staying healthy. Yeah, rotations, happened, cards. rotations, all types of stuff. Minute managements. In the, in the playoffs, you go down. The only thing that they're thinking about is is not not letting you back in the game. Right. Yeah. Like they are they are going all out. Not worried about you know minute management, not cards. worrying about their game Wednesday, not worrying about literally anything else except for you are not going to make this game one to one. Yeah. You know, and you know, I, they came back last year against Red Bulls. Right? Yeah. Um, so I don't think it, that's it, but they, they can't. I am a little bit concerned about the team that we've seen the last couple of weeks, which has shown a lot of fight, but not a lot of ability to take control of games early heading into the playoffs. Yeah. Now, other teams have played the counterpoint, and I'll shut up after this. The counterpoint to that is that literally every team that we've played in the last, like, couple of months has been playing for more than we've been playing for. And especially in the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of rotation. Um, But... You know, we're we're looking for two week. We're looking at two weeks off. Uh, we're looking at a game against Atlanta, where we have nothing to play for, and Atlanta is still, I think, jockeying for a better um, siege or something. Yeah. Yeah. So Atlanta. Uh, no, Atlanta can't get in the top four. Um. So I don't know. Like I, I just yeah. I, I do be- I believe in momentum, I mm-hmm. guess, is where I'll leave it. And I wish yeah. ours was just a little bit more convincing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, this is the Supporter Shield winning team that hasn't been out of first place since, like, May or whatever. And yet, still goes into plenty of games without looking like the dominant team, the team that is, you know, crushing the table with, you know, running away with everybody's hopes and dreams. It looks like just another MLS team sometimes. And it just, it's hard to square the two, which is the team that we're seeing on the field at this moment versus the team that on paper exists in the league almost feel like two different teams. Like you look at like, oh, Lucho's leading in goals and assists and is in the golden boot race. And they've got, you know, multiple uh, candidates for defender of the year awards. And they've got the leader in clean sheets and goal. And yet it doesn't, feel that way and you know i do wonder how much of this is just like being a stressed 
out fan of like there's champagne problems for sure like if you're a miami fan were you shitting bricks going into this one like god damn it we had to scratch and scrape to lose this one i can't believe we held our own against cincinnati i don't know to to a certain extent also this team has just been on cruise control since june (laughs) top of the table um they handled their business pretty well in League's Cup in the group stages, um, but for a heroic act from our buddy down in Miami, they would have probably won Open Cup. And every time this team has needed to step up and get something done, they stepped up and got something done. They are a completely different team at home than they are on the road, which is helpful in a lot of these spaces. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just curious and I don't you know, this isn't a negative take or a positive take. I am just curious what happens when they turn off the the autopilot and they take control of the wheel. You know, do 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 they have that ability to like you said, where there is no tomorrow? Do they have the ability just to floor it? And I'm just curious what that looks like and what Pat and this team will do, because we really haven't seen them do that. Yeah. They've had Bupenza on a pitch count for most of the year in most of these games. But to, um, to the good on that point, when Bupenza came in in the second half, they yeah. looked like a team that was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we can put together the best attack in the league. Oh, I mean, I know they, not, only, they only got one goal in the second half, but like they were dangerous the entire time. And Miami yeah. was not even after they made adjustments. I was just going to say, I'll throw in the, the Red Bull game as well. When Lucho and Barrial both sub in, it's like a light switch went. Those guys are sitting on the bench ready to go. And it was like, I think literally the first play of them being subbed in was like a beautiful counterattack with the both of them. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. we still yeah. have it, I think. Yeah. Vasquez's <laughs> first touch in that Red Bull game was almost a goal. Like, yeah, it right. was just wide of frame. He was on for less than 30 seconds and he almost scored. <laughs> Same thing with Papenza in this game. He comes on and it's instant offense. And to a certain extent, a little bit of this was that Miami needed this game. Yeah. They needed to win. And unintentionally, there was almost a rope-a-dope thing going on with this where Miami expended a ton of effort in the first half, controlling the ball, pressing, running, just an incredible work rate this team had, this Miami team had in the first half. That was an unsustainable level, pressing for that first goal. You fast forward to about the 60, 65th minute, the team was out of gas. Like you could tell that that was a team that was on tired legs. It's playing a lot of games and playing a lot of games where it's they have to have the result. And as soon as Bopenza comes in, he's running against guys that are maybe moving 75, 65% speed. And it showed. (laughs) Yeah. No, I... Again, I'm going to pile on here as well, but like this team did what it needed to do. And if this was a playoff game, which it could have easily have been. It was for Miami. That was a playoff game for Miami. But to go on the road and to, yeah, like be running at 80% for FCC and still come away with the win and the defense holding up under that barrage. Well done. So I do, I do want to like, we're going to keep picking at stuff. I'm going to at least here. Um, but like this was in general, a good game for FCC, I think. So just other things to like get stressed out about going into the playoffs. Um, 
And Chief, I know I know you've had takes on this as well, but I, I just want to bring it up. Uh, Barial getting in on the screaming at Bupenza and if uh, lips are to be read, dropping F-bombs at Bupenza in this game. He is certainly the new guy in this team. That's now two Argentines on this team that appeared to really not mesh super well with him right away and as much as i'm willing to say like oh it's an emotional thing and we've certainly seen the Oscar scream at everybody on this team roman's gotten after guys i don't feel like i see guys go after santos as much or even baji as much maybe i'm just not looking for it but chief what do you make of the uh the body language with bupenza and his teammates i don't know like i want to write it off yeah but it's been there for a while. Um, your point about them not screaming at Baji or or Santos, I mean, maybe that's a reflection of the fact they just don't have the expectations for what There's they're that, capable yeah. of <laughs> versus what Bupenza is supposed to be doing. To a certain extent as well, I, I get the sense that Bupenza may, and I don't know, there is no way of knowing this without you know being in the training room or hearing what the marching orders are to Bapenza when he you know rips the training kit off and gets ready to go in but you yeah. get the sense that Bapenza does seem to freelance a little bit more than a lot of the other guys do and part of that is just you know you're the star and you're afforded certain privileges when you're the star player so maybe Baji and Santos are more reliably where they're supposed to be within the form of the attack versus Bupenza who kind of plays that striker's feel of where I need to be at any given moment. I don't know. Yeah. I, I do get the sense, though, that in games like they had last night, that the team does get frustrated that they're not scoring. And I think there's a human element to this, that they're the best team in the league. They just won the you know supporter shield. They should be fucking beating Miami. And when that doesn't happen, I think that they, this team starts to get frustrated with itself more yeah. than anything the opposition is doing to them. So there's always a tendency to start to mount the circular firing squad when <laughs> the only reason you're not winning is you in right. your mind. I'm yeah, not worried about it, though. Yeah, yeah, what do you um, make of it? So I, I think that Chief kind of hit it there where like, there were times when Santos would like make a bad pass or not be in a place. And yeah, he wasn't yelled at, but like you could see frustration yeah. in like Lucho specifically. And it's almost one of those things where it's just like like, yeah, he just sucked there. <laughs> like right. like it's like with some guys, it's like, yeah, he just sucked there. You know, right. he ran out of talent. <laughs> yeah. But with with uh with Bupenza I think it's more in the situations where we're seeing where he made a decision. Yes, the decision making that's being yelled at. That they didn't like. It's the decision making. It's not the screwing up right. that they're you reacting can, to. Yeah, you can miss hit a pass. You can take a bad shot. But it was the fact that you chose to pass or chose to shoot in that moment versus the right. other. Yeah. Like you, you, see, you see guys yell at guys when they don't make a run, for example. Right. But they don't yell at each other so much when they make the run and just boot the ball out of bounds because they don't, they make a bad touch. Yeah, you know. Um, you, think it's, you think it's potentially because Bupenza is just so much more noticeable with that shock white hair at the top that it becomes more <laughs> obvious when he does something wrong, like he sticks out a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, like 
I wasn't concerned, honestly, when I saw Barial yeah. and Bupenza yell at each other. Um, I don't know. Like, I just... You have to be you have to be demonstrative to get your message across, and I think all of the, I think those those two guys add Lucho to that, add even Brandon to that, um, own the right to freelance a bit, yeah, you know, to to try to make something happen, and then if they don't make something happen when they could have passed to a teammate. Yeah, the teammate gets to yell at them. But as long as they're not... And I can't think of examples of it, like, affecting their relationship. And when Barrial scored, Bupenza was there, like, yeah. right away. Immediately to celebrate him. with him. Yeah. And they <laughs> hugged each other. And, um, you know, I just... I would... What I would do is I would, I would throw it back to Baji's comments about Lucho's long run against Charlotte Mm -hmm. where he said, if Lucho hadn't scored there, I would have been pissed or something along those lines. Yeah. But the fact is that like Lucho did score there, you know, (laughs) and because like Lucho gets to kind of call his own shots. And I think Bupenza, even though he hasn't been with the team for a super long time, uh, due to his stature and, you know, throw in the results so far. I think Twelman said he's like third in the league in goals per 90 of players with at least five goals. Twelman also mm. said, though, that he thinks that Berkey is still a serious contender for I MVP. So he's I don't give a shit about that. Full of shit. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's his opinion. This is a stat. Okay. Fair, fair okay. enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Hand up. That's on me. You're correct on this one. <laughs> so I would say, you know, due to his stature and the results so far, Bupenza Bupenza also has earned the right to freelance and you know some of the some of the consequences of freelancing is if it doesn't go well people react to it right right but as long as they just keep playing I'm not gonna worry about it yeah the, the freelancing thing, the only reason I think that is that there was at least two times in this game where Bupenza almost ran into other players and to that, it's just that so when two players run into each other, someone's not doing what they're supposed to do. And I think that like we get away with that with a lot of the other players because Acosta, Barrial, and Vasquez have played so much together that they kind of start to develop a sixth sense for where each other are supposed to be. And Bupenza just hasn't been here long enough to really yeah. have that Jedi reflex yet. And, but, and Lucho, Lucho, Vasquez, and Barrial don't like really occupy the same spots. I mean, we did run it. We did run into the issue with Brenner, uh, Brenner coming back and kind of occupying Lucho spaces. And Albright has said that one of the things he likes about Bupenza is Bupenza, like Brenner, can come back and yeah, you know, right. play play. Can, can I just know, offer a suggestion that's sort of like a coda to this conversation? Yeah, please. I, I really do think that as fans, and I'm guilty of this. So this is me. This is me pointing at me in the mirror right here. You go in there and make it about yourself there, Chief. Um, We really need to just talk less and worry less about pro athletes 
interacting with their teammates during a game. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I mean, today I was watching. I was watching the Who Days play today. Big win. And at the end of the game, Joe Burrow is losing his mind on some backup. I don't. I'm not a Bengals fan. Um, some backup running back that fucked up a an audible and didn't try to take the ball from him on a handoff, and he had to go eat a sack at the end of the game and he's like pointing at his head like fucking think like just losing his mind at this guy i guarantee you they're not going to be mad after the game is over tomorrow it'll be right. back to business as usual he'll probably tell him hey that was a boneheaded play and in a bigger situation you probably could have gotten us killed there you got to listen but these guys are all to a person type a They've been told they're the best at what they do since they were probably toddlers in terms of soccer. They're going to get mad at each other every so often on the field. And just, just, re just, you can, unless they start throwing hands at one another, I wouldn't worry too much about body language or what's being said because just about every time we have these concerns, we find out after the fact that it was all overblown. These guys right. really like each other behind the scenes, and it's just things got heated in the moment, and they bro-hugged in the locker room. They apologized for, you know, yelling at one another, and everything was cool, and everyone was joking at training the next day. Oftentimes, yeah. when two teammates have a problem with one another, like, we don't find out about it until somebody writes a book, like, 20 years later. <laughs> That's that's a good point. Yeah, at least in terms of public beef, uh, th there isn't evidence. Um, I'm just over here being very nervous about winning MLS Cup, so I'm trying to find anything and everything that could keep us from there. But no, I think that's a good. I think that's a good note for the fan base, and I will do my best to internalize that as well. I'll give you one last one here uh, that I've been slightly concerned about, and I can stretch this over the last three games. Roman Celentano has made me nervous in plenty of ways the last two times we've seen him out in ways that I don't think we're used to seeing this year. He has really fumbled miscommunication, at least in terms of calling guys out and coming out for balls. He's been a little slow on some some shot stopping uh, things. He did another one in this game where he caught a ball that was or he deflected a ball that was very clearly going out of bounds and sort of gave Miami a free corner in this one. And I just overall, the big thing here is that the distribution is still horrible he is so bad with his feet it makes a lot of sense why he became a goalkeeper and not literally any other position but i get super nervous every time the thought is to pass it back to to roman to bail us out of a you know a high press of some kind because it's gonna fail at some point with the ball at his feet i don't know if either one of you have felt this way or if this is overblown but i I'm not as confident as I was, say, a month ago as I am right now. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's a me thing, if that's a him thing, if that's a pressure isn't on type thing. I don't know. I think that he um, his distribution really there were a couple games early in the year where it was like, oh, it looks like he's figured his distribution thing out in yeah. the offseason. And that didn't last. He's been 
I would say poor, average to poor with his distribution all season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his shot stopping has still been pretty good. Oh, yeah. I would say over the course of the past, you know, couple months. Other than that, just horror um, five hole disaster in Toronto. Yeah. He's been pretty solid with his hands. He had a couple of good saves in this game. He had one early on on a snapshot that was really, really good. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think he's been good. But like if you were asking, did, has he taken a, a step? In his second year, I, I don't know that the Roman Celentano we're seeing right now is markedly different than the Roman Celentano we saw at the end of last year. So your mileage may vary in terms of what you think his developmental trajectory is currently. But to a certain extent, there's also like a ball don't lie situation. He's leading MLS in clean sheets. It's one of the best defenses in really? MLS. He's now in second after this weekend. Uh, Stephen Fry passed him with uh, Seattle, but otherwise, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't second guessing you, Chief. I was just. I I just didn't know the stat. Yeah, he was. He was a am- so we'll say among the league leaders in yes. clean sheets. <laughs> I think that they are second best or best in the East in in goals allowed right now. I think only Nashville is better than them. If yeah. anyone's better, um, the communication on the back line You're, for this that, year is that's been, right, Nashville. Nashville is better, but nobody else. But nobody else. The communication on the back line this year has been really good. I think they haven't. There haven't been as many horrid defensive breakdowns like we've seen. Seattle and Dallas in the West. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I think he's got a lot to hang his hat on, and I think that just again, it's a champagne problem when what we're talking about is the distribution from your keeper. As something that we're, you know, we're concerned about. Fair. <laughs> so, um, yeah, champagne problem. But I think, I think we're a champagne team in the league. And like, th- I th- I'm thinking back, like specifically to like the Charlotte game. I was thinking about like watching that game even before we started scoring goals. I was thinking, you know, building up from the back, this team feels as good or better than anybody else in the league. Like, I think, I think this is a, you know, front to back fluid ball playing team when they, when they want or need to be. Um, and it, and it does seem like a team that would benefit from a goalie who was good in distribution. However, this is Major League Soccer. <laughs> you are not going to get Ederson. No, right. You, know? <laughs> you are not going to have a goalie who is top in the league in distribution and top in the league in uh, shot stopping and defending crosses and you know all that other stuff. And so I'm very happy with Roman Celentano as a pack as a goalkeeping package yeah right. on this team and i think it's clear he's the no no shade but i think he's the best goalkeeper on the roster yeah. um so yeah i mean I, there were I a couple the- there were a couple moments in the game where i was like where he felt a little out of position 
you know, um, that maybe a better team punishes you, but you know, you also have defenders, you know, and he made a lot of plays in goal. So I think the big difference for me is that in terms of Roman is that I still think Roman's a very good goalkeeper where my opinion of Roman has changed and maybe I'm off base on this and someone else, someone, someone smarter than me. And it's not hard to find that, but someone smarter than me will have to correct me on this, but I'm much less of the mindset now that Roman is on a locked on trajectory to Europe where if you would ask me this time a year ago, I would have said, I could see Roman being sold in the near term future, year to 18 months over to some club in Europe. And I don't think the development has been such that I am looking at Roman and thinking, yep, he's a lock on to go to Germany or to to, to England or something like that at this point. Yeah, we haven't seen. I, I agree with that take. Yeah, I actually I actually had the exact same thought. Um, but this is not inconsistent with that thought. We, we haven't seen Roman's new contract salary number yet, of course, but if Roman didn't get any better, which I don't, obviously I don't think that's going to happen, but if, if you have Roman at this level, I'd be pretty happy with that as our long-term MLS goalkeeper. Same. Um, Absolutely same. So I don't I, I, I don't I don't really view that as a I'm not put out with the thought that we might not be able to like sell Roman onto Europe right someday. And it's not a knock on Roman either. Goalkeeping is notoriously a late blooming position. Like yep. goalkeepers that are ready to go to the Premier League from the United States at his age or it would be not historic, but it would be wow. That would be an eye. That would be a eyeball raiser if a goalkeeper two, three years out of playing at Indiana was all of a sudden being sold to the Bundesliga or being sold to the Premier League. It's happened I mean, I before, but like the, the, there's room for development for for Roman Celentano. I still think he is going to get better. I think the talent is still there. That even if this remains the baseline performance, like Grayson said, I think he's a great value and he'll have a great career in MLS. I'm not precluding the notion he's going to get better. I'm just saying that, like, I don't know that I don't know that he is so much a short term player for FC Cincinnati anymore. I think that you can start to think about Roman Celentano's long term future here, which as an FC Cincinnati fan, great, awesome. One less thing you have to worry about as the roster churns elsewhere. Yeah, and I, you know, I uh, Matt Matt Turner is not like a good comparable to anybody. No, right? Uh, he's Matt he was, Turner. There's no. <laughs> he's, well, be, well, because he was in like a weird situation, right? Where he was like kind of came later to the sport, so he was not on a typical development path. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like Gazan didn't go to the Premier League until his mid twenties and didn't really like establish himself until a little later, right? Um, you know, Ethan Horvath was in a different kind of path, but like, wasn't even really getting like regular starts 
at like the championship level until like his year like 25 26 i think yeah um i'm not sure i would take zach stefan over roman right now mm. to be honest um as a shot stopper so yeah I think he's in like a really good spot and like, I'm not writing. I, I wouldn't write off him playing <laughs> so, in, in Europe. That's good. I'm glad we're not writing the guy off at age 21. <laughs> no, no, no. We're 20, yeah. Hold on, he's, he's 23, 23. He looks 21 though. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, Barely. I'm not saying like, like he, he still as a goalkeeper has time yeah. to go to Europe. Um, but like if he's our Andre Blake, Right. That's a pretty good outcome for both sides. For a draft pick and presumably his salary. Yeah. No, I to be clear, I'm not saying Roman's bad or that Roman is washed by any means. I just went over the last couple of weeks. Take. I've <laughs> I had felt less confident in his positioning, in his shot stopping. It's just something about it. And again, could just be my nerves, could just be the team taking the the foot off the gas. It just hasn't looked as sharp as it did in the past. Plus, I feel like there has been a a very real uh, backslide in the distribution to where it's been, I don't know, two not so hot games for me anyway, for Roman back to back. I think a lot Uh, of his bad. I think a lot of his really, really bad passes have been under pressure. I think this is yeah. Kevin. This is Kevin <laughs> softly advocating for Berkey to win MVP. That like you can't you can't, you can't underestimate give. the importance of a goalkeeper. And if, if Roman was better, this team would be maybe never have lost a game. Berkey has given I mean, up like eight more goals this year yes, in the league yes. than, than Roman has. Sorry, just t- Twelman said that during the broadcast, and I almost wanted to throw something at my television. I was so <laughs> this feels like a. This feels like a segment two topic, but I know yeah. so in theory if they, Roman saved every shot, FCC would be in a better position. So something to think to, about. <laughs> many they, people they are saying, to, yeah, <laughs> they have to keep uh, they have to keep narrative. They have to have something to talk about. Yeah, fair enough. Um, is there anything else from this game in particular that we wanted to pick at to, I don't know, heap praise on? I don't know where you guys feel about this one. I feel like this game was pretty well picked over, but fuck them. I'm so glad they're out of the playoff picture now. I I do want to I do want to think about talk about this though. Is please. that won't someone please think of uh, Apple uh, and its corporate over the MLS's <laughs> corporate overlords? There is probably a tangible amount of money that the league and Apple TV lost by FC Cincinnati <laughs> winning this game. Like yeah. <laughs> the, the league probably watched this game thinking those sons of bitches. Uh that a hundred percent. Another fun one, again, doing my best to skirt around language here. Um on Twitter. It's impossible to see posts about uh, Ronaldo without, say, his rival being brought up in the uh, the Twitter comments underneath there. And I saw a great tweet uh, basically defending the honor of uh, Ronaldo's rival by saying, well, come on. He lost to Cincinnati like 
That's a really good team. You can't hold that one against him. <laughs> I thought, wow, Cincinnati has made it to where the fanboys are saying, well, that's a justifiable loss. You can't expect a win there. You know, <laughs> it's not being talked about often enough, but Ronaldo has never missed the MLS Cup playoffs. <laughs> Many people are, are, are has, talking about has this. Roman Solentano. Damn. Or Ian Murphy. Ian Murphy Equal has been to, more, been to more MLS Cup playoff games than, you know, the GOAT. Others. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, good. Uh, let's hop on over to uh, part two. We'll touch on the, uh, the international break and MLS news. This episode is also brought to you by Cincy Shirts. Look, you know Cincy Shirts. You love Cincy Shirts. They've been with FCC from the beginning. And we here at the Postcast, we're just huge fans of their work. They were very early sponsors of the Postcast here, and we have always enjoyed their work. If you head on over to CincyShirts.com, that's Cincy with a Y, Shirts.com, and check out using the promo code ThePostCincy, all one word, all caps, you will get 10% off your order and you let them know that we sent you. Like they have MLS and MLSPA licensed FCC gear available online and at their two retail locations in Hyde Park and Fort Mitchell. If they don't have your size on the shelf, they can print you one on the spot. That is a fantastic feature and something that I have used as well. So again, special thank you to Cincy Shirts. Head on over to their website or check the link down below in the description for the promo code ThePostCincy for 10% off your next order. And a huge thank you to Cincy Shirts. All right, we're back with part two. We're going to touch on the international break and some other uh, news around MLS. I think on the international news break, and Grayson, you were always my fact check here, uh, not a whole lot for FC Cincinnati. Uh, I have us down as Junior Moreno, Santi Arias, and Yersin Mosquera are off to represent uh, their countries. That is Colombia uh, and Venezuela uh, across those three. Um we did see, we we found this out before we recorded, Gabon is playing a friendly, but there hasn't been a single squad announced. Is there anything else that we should be keeping an eye out there? I don't think so. I mean, okay. Gabon's federation hasn't tweeted since like mid-September. <laughs> um, so I don't know what's going on with that. I mean, they have nothing to play for, right? Right. So I don't think there'd be a lot of pressure for like, Bupenza, Bawanga, Yang, to like go to whatever game they have. Yeah. And then I and then um the other person that I, I always look out for is Angulo, because he's kind of been on the periphery of Ecuador, but he was not called in. Yeah. Makes I'm sense. Not, yeah. I'm not worried about any of this stuff, no, really. Me I, I what I'm no, no I'm worried about number one is health. Um, Mm -hmm. what you don't want is you don't want someone picking up a, um, an injury when going through international duty and it severely impacting their availability for the cup playoffs and the cup run. Um, but the good news is it seems like most of the players that have been called up are unlikely to get significant minutes with the international teams are being called up for. That's number one. Number two. It's cool that, you know. It's awesome. No, Mascara, I love it. Mascara and Arias got called back up for Colombia. Yeah. Uh, you know, Moreno has been like a mainstay for 
um, Venezuela for years, but like for Mascara to earn his first cap with As Colombia, player. not yeah. sorry, not cap. He hasn't appeared, but his first call ups. You know, multiple call-ups now as an FC Cincinnati player. And That's Santiago cool. Arias to play his way back into the Columbia yeah. picture uh, with his play That's, with FC Cincinnati. It's fucking cool. Um, it says so a lot cool. about the stature of, like, MLS, mm-hmm. but, like, it says it, it says way more about where FC Cincinnati has come as oh, yeah. an organization. Wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall or just have a candid conversation with someone at Wolves and just yeah. say, so <laughs> how do you think the loan went for yours? Um, yeah, because I can't I can't imagine there are anything but like incredibly thrilled at like right. the development of this player. And I heard from someone who heard from someone who heard from someone. One of those things that someone slid into the DMs and seemed to indicate that part of the reason why Mascara got sent here and why his loan was extended or why they didn't have a problem with a full season extension was that the idea was that Urson needed to come somewhere and grow up a little bit and that he had all mm. world talent, but that the maturity level just wasn't there to where it needed to be for him to harness that in the premier league. And I have to think they're thrilled about how this has gone for him and the player he's blossomed into here in MLS where he, he is up for, they put the uh, season ending awards out uh, nominations out. He's up for, I think, young player of the year and newcomer of the year. He's up for. So, yes, yeah. but <laughs> that was a stupid. weird. That was a weird <laughs> thing that was announced because ev- it was just every team gets to put forward their own candidates. Yeah, these are not like finalists. Look, yeah. so People's like, Choice so, Awards are still awards, okay? So, so for example, um, Adrian Heath and yes. Wayne Rooney are still Coach of the Year nominees, <laughs> and they both were. They both became out of hey, a man. job in the last week. They're Coach of the Year nominees. They coached this year. Come on, honestly, um, the writers should elect Rooney as Coach of the Year, and it'd just be fucking hilarious. And they'd have to completely rewrite all the rules. <laughs> the um the only other thing to go back to international duty though for a second the only other thing i am worried about and this is not a to get real moment on the postcast is we don't do the to get real moment um if you haven't been following the real news there is a massive conflict occurring currently over in the middle east and oh, yeah. whenever there are international flashpoints like this you always start to get a little bit worried about things that might happen in places that would make it much more difficult for international travel to occur um, or major incidents that make air travel more difficult for whatever reason. Um, so, yeah, just I, I always get a little if, if you put my brain into a pie chart, this is occupying the smallest piece of the pie, <laughs> but it's still a non insignificant worry that. It's I don't like when our players are traveling overseas during hot flashpoints culturally and geopolitically. Well, none of them, none of them are traveling to a hot spot. That's true. Or near a hot spot. And if if some like worst case scenario, if some folks aren't back by the 21st for whatever reason, I don't really care. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're not looking at a playoff game until the 28th at the earliest. 
And if something keeps him out to the 28th, then we have much bigger problems globally. <laughs> Again, yeah. Than, than, than our, fir- our first home playoff game. Like, we may be yeah. buying iodine in bulk amounts in that case. <laughs> the g- commander bit the wrong person. Right. <laughs> it's like the wrong time. All of us suddenly realizing at the same time, man, those products that they advertise on the Alex Jones show would come in real handy right about now. I wish I had my food insurance. Yeah. That's your um, dues. Preppers, I shouldn't have laughed at that. <laughs> Those people weren't crazy. Actually, yeah. actually, Kevin, uh, in that scenario, any insurance you bought would have been a waste of money. <laughs> I know. There's not going to be insurance. That's, that's what always <laughs> kills me. It's like, oh, there's a global famine and all the crops have died. Thank God you bought your food insurance that they'll feed you with. Or the, the same thing. It's like food. it's like right, like you know, Iran got into a nuclear war with like five other different countries right now. It's like thank God I own gold. I can surely use this shiny bar to purchase things that I need. I guess you can melt that down into some kind of like mallet, <laughs> like right. some kind of blood weapon. Yeah, yeah. can you can, can you mech- tool? Yeah. Right. If I if I if I make this into a nine millimeter casing, can I shoot it at someone for food? <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to smash this into a plow. Don't worry, yeah, we're going to start farming. I mean, this worked. Uh, this worked in Goldeneye. <laughs> it would be really funny if, like, you were like the one guy who was like, you had all the food, and then you were just like, yeah, I just really like coal. <laughs> I, I collect it. I have a whole collection. <laughs> but but in that but in that case, like, it's as likely that somebody wants gold as like magic cards. Right. Actually. You're more likely to give further with magic cards or Pokemon yeah. cards. Yeah, like in the in the apocalypse, like, you here's can, a Game Boy. Po- I got Mew on this. <laughs> as long as you've got the batteries, you know that's entertainment. When like everything else is done, it's not connected to the grid at all. Um, you know, that's, the Game that's... Boy might be the most valuable thing you can own in this situation. I think of all the things to stockpile, double and triple A batteries might be the most valuable yeah. commodity to just have a box of. Um, yeah, no, I like that. I, I will throw out there real quick on. Uh, We're not talking about the apocalypse anymore because I got like lots of takes on people that own bug out bags. Like I really, really, <laughs> I got really deep into like the doomsday prepper shit. Yeah. Not that like personally prepping for the apocalypse, but just like. There what was a show. Well, it was a show back in the day. It was called Doomsday Preppers. I had a lot yep. of free time on my hands. I was watching this, and I would just, you know, one Google search leads to another, and then all of a sudden, I'm finding out exactly how long an MRE stays good in the basement, or exactly <laughs> like. <laughs> or have, you, <laughs> have you seen How to with John Wilson? Oh, I have yeah. not. Uh, there's an episode where they visit some people who like buy super old MREs and like taste them <laughs> wild <laughs> and then the guy talks about like all the crazy crap that he's eaten <laughs> like yeah. I guess I guess they do it for YouTube or something uh, I don't know if it's the same guy but there's a great YouTuber called Ashens that does that he would find like ancient prepackaged meals and army rations and stuff but then would also buy like uh, you know, like dollar store, not dollar store knockoff, like 
playstations and would see like how like the shitty controllers would work and things like see, that Very I'm, funny. I'm, if it's on youtube i'm just culturally unaware of it as we learned <laughs> oh, this we week learned that. <laughs> well, well maybe we'll have the opportunity to educate ourselves uh, in the coming yes. in the coming future Oh. <laughs> the the only thing I was going to mention is uh, Bupenza and Gabon. Uh, there is a friendly, and it's one friendly friendly against Guinea. I only bring it up because. Okay, what you just missed was another Grayson gem that got cut from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's they have World Cup qualifiers in November. It might be worthwhile to them to to call up the regular team just to just to keep keep in touch with everybody. I don't know. That'd be the only thing I'd I'd consider is they have important games after this. Maybe they want to bring these guys in. Maybe they do a domestic league thing. I don't know. I don't know. Wait, when do they have World Cup qualifiers? They have World Cup qualifiers in November. They'll have two qualifier games. So... In in the middle of the MLS Cup playoffs? Yes. Now, now you're making me feel paranoid. Now I'm gonna look this up. Uh, if you would like the actual answer, November thirteenth, November twentieth, Gabon plays Kenya. November thirteenth, they play uh, Burundi. November twentieth, that is match day one and match day two of ten for World Cup qualifiers it, for the nation of Gabon. Are we gonna have to lose people for the playoffs? I, I think that there will be a gap. I think there'll be a 10-day gap in the MLS Cup playoffs. Is that, for... like, is that World Cup qualifiers everywhere or just in Africa? Because I feel like Africa definitely has the most inconvenient match day schedules when it comes to like, I know like the African Cup of Nations always fucks yeah. up teams in the Premier League because they don't yeah. adhere to the normal windows. So there is a this, gap in the playoffs. This playoff November schedule. window is a standard FIFA one. That's when we okay. played uh, Mexico in Cincinnati. That was a November game. Yeah, right? so round one yeah. ends November 12th, and the conference semifinals and conference final window is November 25th to December 3rd. Look at us all learning about the playoffs together. But November 12th, and they play in Gabon November 13th. Uh, well, just win the first two games and not worry about it. Oh, that's a good point for my God. <laughs> uh, if there was ever right. a time for Carl to get the private jet out, it's like, you're going to make this game, but just barely. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can do the second. You can do it November 11th. 10th. I don't care. <laughs> Ask them to move it for our guy. Uh, so, yeah, something to for future us to stress about and worry about. Uh, by the, way, the, the disciplinary guidelines for the playoffs are still not available. Cool. Good. Just we making this up as we go along. I love Twice it. is the most important tournament. Uh, you don't know the rules or the format until the day before it happens. <laughs> so basically, the most important who's... trophy in the league. Yeah. It's like a taping of whose line is it anyway? Oh, jeez. Um, like the Pennsylvania presidential election. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> uh, around the league, though, uh, a lot of firings. We've touched on uh, a few of these. Wayne Rooney out by mutual consent. Or well, so it was a mutual option. Okay. So non-mutual consent to him returning. Okay. So <laughs> it was kind of like when I applied to Harvard in college. We just had a difference of opinion as to whether or not I should attend. Right. You had a mutual option. You were eligible. Yeah. 
Just no, like Rooney still is for coach of the you year. Know, just, you know, like <laughs> we just didn't see eye to eye on my application status. <laughs> you were willing. It was just, yeah. Um, still willing. So yeah, Give me a call back. I'll go to Boston. This is, <laughs> this is the weird thing for DC. Uh, they fired their general manager uh, almost exactly a year ago by the time you were listening to this uh, to now. And they have not hired a replacement. And the word was in D.C. was that Wayne was not being told either way how D.C. was feeling about keeping him back on because they told him they wanted a general manager in place in order to exercise his option or make a decision for him, which contributed to him leaving. In fact, he stopped showing up to practices uh, in the week, at least the week leading up to this. Uh, Grayson, I just got a quick question for you. How would the league treat Jeff Birding if he fired Chris Albright and was the acting GM for a year and let Pat Noonan go at the end of his contract? Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I have an idea. Um, I don't want to find out. Um, but uh, it, wouldn't it be crazy if there was like imagine if there was like media that covered this league? Man, have a field day with this Imagine story. that like one of the one of the the most successful franchises in the history of the league just went a year without a sporting director. Could you imagine and, what would happen if there was like a journalist that followed that league or, or followed even that, that team, team specifically and, and from just a national like outlet asked about that occasionally <laughs> and what was going on? So um, there was a very funny kind of like kind of tidbit is um, the uh, uh, the athletic, um, which is a uh, for those who don't know, it's, it's a, a media outlet um, that doesn't cover MLS. It's a startup. <laughs> Um, it's a it's a it's a web start it's a it's a web startup that uh, exists for the purposes of uh, hiring and then firing local beat reporters <laughs> to just like replace local beat sports journalism. Um, Your grandparents may know it as the New York Times sports page. <laughs> oh, that's true. All right, I guess it is the the New York Times sports <laughs> vertical. Right. All right. Not, not page. Not page because no, they got rid of the page. <laughs> they're not in the page, but they're in the vertical. Don't um, you dare publish those web blogs on our paper. <laughs> um, they did a rundown of like the coaching vacancies in MLS, mm -hmm. and they were expecting um, DC to become vacant, which it did. And they mentioned that DC had had asked Orlando for permission to interview like their technical director or somebody mm. uh, for their open uh, sporting director job. And they said there was like no other news, which I thought was interesting because like like last December. The Athletic reported that DC had reached out to FC Cincinnati to talk to Chris Albright and we're told no man <laughs> and that story seems to have and that has never been as far as I can tell that has never been repeated again by uh, any journalists at The Athletic and After I found Albright's, that yeah like I found that I just found that interesting because it's like it does feel like the kind of thing that you would mention if you again. are reporting on DC's uh, sporting director search like of like the things that they at least had done mm -hmm. 
Uh, which tells me that maybe they were told don't don't say that again. (laughs) (laughs) After Albright's first year, I mean, it makes somebody look bad, and it's not clear who gains anything by lying about that other than maybe DC, and then Cincinnati, or even Albright himself had to reach back out and be like, that literally never happened. I think the problem with the the DC job (laughs) is that if you get it, and you take that job there in DC, at any time, you can have your position vacated by Matt Gates standing up and demanding it. <laughs> <That's>, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the, I think a problem with, with that job is like, I understand why you'd want to fill your sporting director job before filling the head coach job. Sure. But one, your head coach is Wayne Rooney. It feels like that just gets understated through all of this. It, it feels like you could have hired somebody who said, like, yeah, I can work with Wayne Rooney. Or who does Wayne want to work with? Right. Yeah. a couple exactly. of guys. Exactly but, but also, like, it's not like they found out yesterday, yesterday they had to hire a sporting director. Right. They fired Lucy Rushton. Like the basically the same month that Ohio that FC Cincinnati fired Yap Stomp. Jeez. <laughs> and what have they been doing? <laughs> they hire fight? Sportsology and Sportsology was just busy telling US <laughs> soccer to rehire Greg Berhalter. <laughs> we scoured the whole globe. <laughs> what if Jeff Burning what if Jeff Burning what if Jeff Burning applied for this shop? <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> That'd be really funny. <laughs> but I, I'll former say this, MLS like, GM. But again, like you had another like fawning article about Chicago oh this God. past week. How do they keep doing they, it? They have another coaching <laughs> vacancy, and they just said they're bringing back the same people to run the team that been running it the last like three four years. How um, do you do that? <laughs> and like. Obviously, Jeff Birding was never going to be like a top sporting director in Major League Soccer. No. But like the soccer journalists in the US had so much fun just like stomping all over him for like a year. Yeah. You know, you had like the Jeff Carlisle article, you had the uh, allocation disorder guys talking about him. And, you know, one of the one of the 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 things people were saying about him was that he's like a nightmare to work for and nobody wanted to work for him. And he's still involved in soccer decisions and all that other bullshit. And like. Yeah, I guess nobody nobody wanted to work for him, except for the guy who in a year put together a fucking supporting shield roster. (laughs) And a coach who's probably going to win coach of the year. Yeah. And like, yeah, people have said nice things about us this year, but not, not like in a corresponding way (laughs) to how negative they were about the team in like October, November, 2021. Right. And not only, not only that too, like now that Chris Albright and Pat Noonan have done this, I want to know why there isn't a bigger fire being lit under the asses of some of these teams in MLS that look, 
Cincinnati was a dumpster fire and they hired two people. And in the span of two years, they have won supporter shield. The same thing with uh, New England. New England was an absolute dumpster fire. They hired Bruce Arena and within a year and a half, they're winning supporters shield. It I think is, Bruce Arena might work for us now. I'm not sure. I mean, I saw I saw I saw a BA in the training staff on the uh, supporter shield <laughs> clinching night. Um, I don't know if if that was a message being sent to the league. Fucking bravo. Right. Was, Absolutely uh, again, great. Again, I, I think he the... just I think I think Kenny might have just grabbed the wrong uh, top because, you know, some there's some other BA that works for FC Cincinnati. <laughs> Well, he, he grabbed that same topic in Miami. So oh, the message, he? oh yes, <laughs> they just run out, they, they ran out of K's, the stencils in the pro shop. He was just, just throw anything on there; it'll be fine. I don't worry about it. Um, but no, like it's part of the problem with how this league is covered is that there is absurdly low expectations put on teams. Yes, like absurdly low. And now you have two times in the past couple of years examples of how quickly you can get not just better, but to the top of the league if the right people are in place making your soccer decisions. Yet we still get fawning articles over poorly run franchises and teams bring back coaching staffs that have underachieved chronically and no one lights them up for saying, you know what? This is nonsense because we have we have tangible, definitive proof of what teams yeah. can accomplish with ambition. And it's just it, I, I don't think there's any other there's any other sport in this country that's covered in such a way other than like college football, where mediocrity is just accepted for certain teams because right. everything is so set up against your success in the first place. But but yeah. it, at some point for this sport to take the next step in this country. People that cover it have to start putting expectations on the participants. And every every yeah. team that's not top seven in a conference, and top seven is even frankly generous, um, unless their coach and sporting director are first year coaches and sporting directors, they need to be asked, like, why does this person still have a job? Yeah. Because... FC Cincinnati fired their last place sporting director and coach and made the playoffs the first year and won the supporter shield second year. I don't think yeah. that we get enough credit for that either. And it's why, like, why, it's like, why aren't you doing that? Yeah. Like, I don't understand why we aren't lauded legitimately. This isn't me just <laughs> yeah. being like taking the contrary point of view because it's funny, but I don't understand why, why birding and Linder specifically aren't lauded for the fact that, this team came into MLS in 2019. It sucked. It didn't work. They hired someone. The results weren't there. And two years later, you had one year that was a COVID year where everybody kind of agreed, eh, this is weird. You know, it would be unfair to judge anyone based on the results of just this one year. So the next full regular year they got was terrible. And everybody lost their jobs and we were on to somebody else. Like more teams should behave that way. Yes. More teams should. This isn't working. We can see it's not working. Thank you for your service. We'll find someone else and make this work. Like, why isn't that the norm everywhere in this league? Exactly. And, exactly. And it's not like they hired Bruce Arena or Bob Brett. Right. 
they hired they took a chance. They hired people who had never had the top job in their specific positions. Albright had never been a sporting director. Pat Noonan had never been a head coach. Right. Right. This wasn't bringing in. This wasn't Toronto bringing in Bob Bradley. And just the failure, the absolute failure of Toronto bringing in Bob Bradley and giving him both the sporting director and the head coach job and missing the playoffs Oof. both years, cratering into, I think, a wooden spoon uh, this year. Yeah, yeah, they won it. Yep. Um, what is the, what are the odds that you hire two first timers for these jobs and you immediately have meteoric success, you know, and nobody gives a shit. People are still talking about candidates other than Pat Noonan for coach (laughs) of the year. Right. Right. And nobody talked about it for coach of the year last year. It's absurd. And they don't don't want to give people, they don't want to give us credit. They don't want to give us credit. And this isn't like a conspiracy theory. This isn't a hot take. They don't get the credit they deserve for A, the success they're having now, and mm-hmm. B, for refusing to tolerate failure. This yes. this club refuses to tolerate failure. You can say whatever the fuck you want about Jeff Birding and Carl Linder, and God knows it's been written out there, and a Google search history will tell it to you, but... The one thing that they were right about and that they have always been consistent about is that we're not going to tolerate losing. We're not going to tolerate failure. And they back that up by firing people that aren't that aren't successful. And you know what? You could argue that um, firing Ron Yant um, is directly responsible for this team finishing last the next two years. Because, you know, as a coach. He had kind of stabilized the team. A yeah. Bit. And they would not have been so woeful defensively um, with him as coach. They would have played more pragmatically with him as coach. Mm-hmm. But you know what? They made a decision that they had to make, in my opinion, that yep. other teams with like designated players have not been willing to make. Yep. And they get no they get no credit for that. In fact, and it, they just get shit uh, on more. Right. And that was reading between the lines in that presser, that was an ownership decision. That wasn't yeah. Nightcamp's decision. Yeah, no, he looked, like a, ho- he looked like a hostage in that press conference. <laughs> and somehow and somehow like that becomes a a a example of ownership mismanagement when right. like when you hire a like long-standing pretty successful pretty well-respected coach this is not one of the like reasonably foreseeable ways right. that this right. goes wrong <laughs> right like but but it just gets thrown in as like a, oh they can't hire anybody right it's like well they fired the people that made those decisions and yeah chief like, i think like your Stom point was is perfect stom yeah. was bad in a way that you could look back at his background and say, like, uh, yeah. yeah, he was. You could have, you could have foreseen this. Yeah, the star player in his day. So yeah, you you see why they take the chance. And yeah, I I completely agree that like the ownership doesn't get the the credit, especially when you look at like 
to like, yeah, Cincinnati did this, but like this has actually been possible in MLS. Like, sure, Miami probably fudged some numbers here and there, but they completely overmade their roster in one window. St. Louis went from non-existing to a two-team to now, and if it wasn't for Cincinnati, would have won the Supporters' Shield, or at least... Well, no, they wouldn't have. They would have pushed uh, Orlando, at least. It would have been a neck and neck behind race. Orlando and only yes. one ahead of Philadelphia. It would have been a neck and neck race uh, for that. Would have been tighter for sure. And we've seen in Houston. Houston was hot garbage, did go higher, and MLS, you know, proven veteran in Ben Olsen, and turned them into a potentially home playoff hosting team and and an open cup winning team. Like the. And sure, they've made a couple of changes with their roster, but nothing groundbreaking there. Like, yeah, the fact that Chicago's getting praise heaped on them, the fact that Sporting Kansas City is allowed to just like have Peter Vermees just continue to live in mediocrity. Like, it's not insane. even the fact that Chicago's getting praise. The right. fact that like there's no heights, pressure that there's no pressure from the media yes. for them to totally clean house. Right. Like, LA they, they, should, they should not similar. just be not yes. praised. Yes, they should be like people should be demanding explanations for why anybody in that team has a job. Same with LA Galaxy. Yeah, I, I would I would genuinely. Why did Greg Vani get the sporting director <laughs> and coach job at Galaxy? That was never mind. Like if you are truly like MLS, we need this league to succeed. So we need to vote for like what's best for the league. And and you're very defensive and insular there. Like, I think the question should be, should the Galaxy and Fire continue as franchises? Like I'd be considering folding them, letting those markets sit dormant for five years and reviving them with a new franchise. Like it, they are horrible. The and they get is, no they're, pressure. They're horrible. There's a proven there's a proven story that says that they could be turned around in under a year and a half. Yeah. But they there has to be a demand and you have to be willing to go out and spend the right money to acquire the right people, do a do a good job identifying who those people are. Because I there's not just one Pat Noonan. There's probably two or three Pat Noonans in the coaching there's certainly tree. Other Ben Olsons. Yeah. Yeah. There's two or three of them on our fucking coaching staff I right now say, that I am terrified of losing. Yeah. <laughs> if, um, imagine, imagine if Jeff Birding had signed a player and then said, yeah, I went on transfer. I, I watched the World Cup and then I went on transfer market. <laughs> would, would we ever hear the end of that? No. No. And yet, that was literally and some teams do that. Toronto. <laughs> and, you know, it's. There are a lot of people in this league. Again. There are a lot of people in this league that desperately need this league to remain under the radar, mm-hmm. or need this league to remain in a state where the media, the national media around this league, has a slight fear of what happens when you scratch too far below the surface and your access gets cut off. They, yeah. they need that to continue because mediocrity is still tolerated in this league. And I am thrilled that I support. And that I get to talk about a team that doesn't tolerate mediocrity. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, like, if the Detroit Lions had won like two, three games a year for a decade. Yeah. And then, and then went like 14 and two. (laughs) Right. I feel like every team in the NFL, like, especially, like, let's say, like, they, you know, they, they just, Revamp leadership. It went fourteen and two. 
Yeah. Every team in the NFL would be asked, like, why didn't you do that? Yeah. And, and every team in MLS in, should be asked, why well, has FC Cincinnati in such a short window right. experienced so much success? And and you just haven't. So you know, you and say not- that about the NFL as uh, we're taping this. San Francisco is about to beat Dallas forty-two to ten, <laughs> and Brock Purdy uh, seventeen to twenty-four with four touchdowns. More people need to ask Kyle Shanahan or ask themselves why is Kyle Shanahan is literally every quarterback that plays for him good? Why can't that happen elsewhere? Like, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, a, it's a good like, question. Like yeah. they they took the, the the last pick in the draft, and he is dominating this league because of good coaching. Just like Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's a bum, is a known bum. Had them in an NFC Championship game, yet we still tolerate teams in this league where they're like, oh. We 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 it's need to tank. Hard. We need to yeah. tank and get our quarterback. It's like bullshit. I mean, the Bengals Kyle should be asked. Has, the yeah. Bengals should be asked why they're content letting Zach Taylor uh, be in charge of the level of offensive talent that they have. Yeah, it's because the Bengals whatever. did the thing that again I think more MLS teams probably need to do, which is funny because I think it's stupid that the NFL does this. But like the second one team in the NFL is successful, it's everybody goes and hires every assistant that ever worked for that head coach and worked in that front office and scouted a player that played on that team. They instantly become all of the next generation of head coaches and general managers all over the league. Like oh. You worked on McVeigh's coaching staff. What were you? Oh, a ball boy. Great. Like you're now the defensive coordinator here. Like that's great. Like I'm so glad you were near that really it's successful gonna be, no, coach it's, five it's years be, ago. It's going to be our luck that this is. We are going to be the team that brings this to MLS in yep. our entire. Like everyone's getting poached in the off season, which I, that I would really, make me happy for Kenny, and it would be it would be happy for Dom. But god damn it, no. I will be. I'll be really upset. If Kenny Arena gets another job before we have him back on the podcast, <laughs> um, that's that's I, the challenge. We better move quick because that offseason's coming up for these teams. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, same. We haven't had him, but like Dominic Kinnear. Yeah, I want, I want him around. Like, yeah. It's absurd he hasn't been hired as a head coach somewhere again. Yeah. Like he he's was still abs- he's still top five in MLS and wins. Like you yeah, want to talk about a guy? Out. Like when it's like, okay, you want to level your franchise up from mediocrity? Like M- Toronto should be on the phone with like DC. They should all be on the phone with Dominic Kinnear. Go get someone to fix your fucking problems. Well, Toronto That's- hired John Herdman. No. Yeah. Well, so we'll see how that goes because yeah, we'll you know they did so great in the World Cup with Canada. Maple Leaf morons. <laughs> I, I don't think he's ever has he ever coached a club team. Uh, I think wasn't like the men's Canadian men's team the first men's team he ever coached. I know he coached the women's team. I thought he was a They're women's be... college coach before that. I don't know his exact history yeah, no, though. He I'm was just... the, he was a New Zealand women's coach, the Canadian women's coach, the Canadian men's coach, and now he coaches Toronto FC. Um, they're going to sure. be, they're going to be, so, they're not going to be good. They're going to be annoying as hell. They're going to be the new, they're going to be like Red Bulls next year. 
cool. Can't she wait. spike your ankles and flop around? <laughs> we need that's more how the Canada men's team plays. You know, like the whole value proposition of like the single entity was that like you could make it an entertaining product, like it's an entertainment vessel. And like, if I'm MLS, I'm telling Red Bull, I'm telling Orlando, I'm telling Toronto preemptively, knock this shit off. You do not get to play this way. We will find you. We will suspend you. You will not. You cannot play this horrible anti-football nonsense. It needs you, it needs to stop. Yeah. But whatever. Right. Anyway, um, <laughs> we, we called this segment two. And in my mind and in my heart of hearts, I thought we'd do a segment three. But boys, I don't know. I don't think I have it in me. <laughs> <laughs> well, just so that in the interest of keeping it in the chamber, uh, keeping it from, uh, you know, you hate leaving good ones on the field. Yes, the 11 would have been breakfast this week because <laughs> Skylines are producing breakfast. I had it on Fountain Square and it's delicious. Out of my 18 are catchphrases because I am sad to report if you weren't there at TQL Stadium. You can't you can go back and watch it on Apple TV. I am sad to report that the postgame comments from the aforementioned Jeff Birding did not include the catchphrase. <sighs> Come back. We got more winning to do. I had the tweet from the post ready to go if he said it. And that was the saddest deleting I've ever had to do. <laughs> I, was, I, I was way in. <laughs> I want them to go back and retroactively add it to the ceremony. Like Cut to a wide uh, angle so you don't see him talking and then just add that back in reverberating around TQL. I'm glad uh, Grayson brought up Kenny's uh, jacket there with the the B.A. initials that was going to be in my 11. I like I like the solidarity there, given how weird it was for Bruce uh, to end in New England. We're, we're still not entirely clear what happened there. So, uh, Grayson, did you want to rapid fire your 11 or 18? I didn't have any. That's there we the go. Spirit. <laughs> Save that content for the offseason. Oh, well, Chief, I think with that, I think we can say adieu to this episode. Yeah. Right. Fuck Columbus. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of The Post Cincy. You can check us out at thepostcincy.com for all of our written content, as well as links to our social media. You can follow us on Twitter, and as well, you can join us on our Discord server. You can find links to that server both in this episode description as well as on our website. That is where most of our conversations are going on. We have a lovely community there talking about FC Cincinnati, MLS, anything and everything else and everything in between. We also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers for providing all of the music you've heard throughout this episode. They're an amazing local Cincinnati band. Again, more information about them is in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed what you listened to, and you've made it to the end, so I'm going to assume you liked it, or you just can't reach your stop button, please 
like us, review us, subscribe to us wherever you are getting your podcast. That is going to be really, really helpful. But more importantly, share this with a friend. A personal recommendation helps sped a podcast so much further. So please share this if you know somebody in your life who's an FC Cincinnati fan, an MLS fan, somebody that you think would enjoy this. Pass it on over. Thank you so, so much again for listening. It blows me away that people continue to listen to us. And thank you so, so much again.